Welcome to the Linsanity, a podcast for the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Linsanity Podcast, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network and the college basketball season is finally over, Bryce. It is it is over. I mean, there there has been some great things about it. Um, there's been some tough things about it. Obviously, teams have been fighting through COVID, and even teams like VCU weren't even able to play in the tournament due to COVID. Um, but the season was – it happened. It happened. Um, Dan Gavitt needs to get a lot of credit for that. Um, there's no, there's no question about it. And, uh, Bryce, it's, it's a privilege to do our last college, uh, basketball podcast, at least for the season. Uh, Caleb, we've made it, man. We've made it. We, yeah, we, we, we jumped in about halfway through the season, but it's been a ride ever since it's been a lot of fun. Uh, March Madness is always one of my favorite, favorite tournaments in all of sports. Right. I had a great time, Caleb. Great ride. Great finish. Yeah, the finish did. that we wanted. We got some great games along the way. I'm sure we'll we'll talk about uh, one particular in the Final Four. Right. But yeah, I am. I am perfectly pleased. Well, and and you know what? We also have our uh, a contributor, uh, the man uh, behind it all on the Running Hook Podcast Network, joining us once again, who covered the uh, Final Four, Alex Burr. Alex, uh, I bet the Final Four was a memorable moment for you. Well, there was one particular memorable moment that will stand out in my brain for the rest of time. And that, of course, was Davion Mitchell shutting down Dejan Giroux in the first game, leading to a blowout. Stop it. Stop it. I called this. (laughs) I mean, that was a tour de force on defense. And I I love, like, listen, Baylor's defense is to die for. But really, the best game, I think one of the best games of the century, probably, as crazy as it is to say, given the stakes and everything in UCLA Gonzaga, like, holy shit. Th- that was just one of the best games of basketball you could see in person for 40 minutes. 100%. Like it was incredible or excuse me, 45 minutes because of the overtime Yeah, and, baby, bonus. And it was like, I was on the edge of my seat because you had Juzang. Juzang is incredible. I did not think that dude was going to miss. Two two players I saw this weekend that I did not think were ever going to miss a shot. It was Johnny Juzang and Jared Butler. I did not think every time the ball went up in their hands, I'm like, okay, that's going in. Funny enough, I called, like I was in the seat yesterday and I was watching, I was like, I called Swish every time Butler shot the ball and it went in every single time because he was just that so good. good. But he's so good. That Jalen Sugg shot, I mean... It has to be the shot of this century, right? Like, what shot has been better this whole century? Like, the only other shot that's in contention is a shot that missed in Gordon Hayward's shot. It's yeah, up there. I think, I, I mean, obviously, you, you put it up there with, I mean, you think about the Chris Jenkins shot. Um, I mean, that's that's the only other one that I can think of right now. That's probably the, okay, Chris Jenkins is probably better because that actually won the championship well and christian leitner shot too i mean if we're talking century if we're saying century i mean the christian leitner shot is obviously i I was referring the 21st century but okay okay gotcha all right then yeah yeah you'd probably put up there i'll be curious to see how many people remember that shot and the reason i say that is like we don't normally remember the second place team we don't remember the second place moments. We don't remember. Um, we don't remember that. We care about the champions at the end of the day. Um, I, we're in the moment, so we we see it and we remember it. But is this something that a lot of people, besides us nerds, are going to look back at? Uh, let me ask, let me ask Bryce a question because I yeah, think sure. this this will be indicative of sure. the answer to that your question. Yeah. So Bryce. Do you remember LeBron James's stat line in game one of the 2018 finals? No. Is that the game they dropped 50? It was like 51, eight and eight. Yeah. I remember him dropping 50. That's the only thing I can remember. Right. But like, you remember that he dropped 50. Yes. That, I think that game will kind of be like that, right? Where maybe you don't remember the particulars, but you remember the shot. Like you don't remember how great of a game it was, but you remember like, okay, that was the game where the dude hit the, you know, 40 foot jump shot 
Right. Yeah, I got to agree because, I mean, when we think about March Madness, right, they they replay the greatest moments just about every single year. 100%. Well, I mean, we see – how many times do we see the Leitner shot every mm-hmm. March? How many times and, do we see the Gordon Hayward shot? Right. The, yeah. yeah. I mean, and then think about this. If we want to go professional – Everybody remembers LeBron James hitting the game-winning three against Orlando in the playoffs when he yeah, hit his first in Cleveland, and yep. and how did, and they lost that series what four one, something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, That's a good point. so I think we're gonna remember that. I think because it's an all-time game, it's an all-time shot by a big-time player because Jalen uh, Suggs and. You know, we'll do draft stuff. AB, I know you're going to do draft stuff. Caleb, I know we're going to eventually do draft stuff as well. Right. Jalen Suggs is going to be a very successful player in the NBA, by my uh, by just my opinion. Sure. So I think that makes I think that makes that shot even greater, and it'll it'll be timeless, most definitely. I think that's a big part of. It. I think that's a good point, Bryce. It's like, okay, how does he do? I mean, we have to think he's going pro. Um, we have to think he's going pro after this year. Um. And and in terms of how his pro career goes, that's that's going to be a moment where you can sit there and be like, yeah, this is the moment that made him amazing. This is the moment that catapulted him, um, you know, among among many other things. That's a very good point. Uh, but but just getting started in, in in overall here. I mean, how do you guys feel about the overall season? Right. I mean, we in this weird world that that we're in. Right. That we're slowly but surely getting out of where, you know, vaccines are coming, more people are getting that and that's great. Uh, but at the same time, like, I mean, it, there were a lot of things that were wild about this tournament. Uh, and there's no question about it. Uh, UCLA, Abilene Christian, uh, you know, the list goes on North Texas, uh, Oral Roberts, you know, you have all these teams that just, they came out of the middle of nowhere and won in this particular tournament, more upsets than ever before. Uh, but somehow some way, the best two teams played each other in the championship. So the consistency was there despite all of the other stuff that happened. I mean, how overall, just as viewers of the game, just how did you feel about the season? Alex, I'll start with you on that one. So I'm obviously viewing this through more of a tournament time lens because I didn't really catch on until, you know, the conference tournament slash, you know, whatever you want to say. But man, I think so. We'll have like the VCU situation, right? Where... Yeah. Their season ends prematurely because um, someone on their traveling party um, sure. has COVID-19. And then the team that's supposed to play them, Oregon, makes it all the way, busts Iowa's ass <laughs> in the, the second yeah. round. Oh my goodness. And makes it all the way to the Elite Eight, right? Right. You'll, you'll remember a team like UCLA. UCLA was the story of the tournament to me other than the top two teams. Hmm. How did that team make it to the final four? And I know, Caleb, you're a massive UCLA hater, massive, you know, bigger. Your how much you hate UCLA is bigger than Bill Walton. And uh, we all know Bill Walton's huge. Um, listen, the way they played through the tournament, just their defense, right? They muck things up. They stopped. Look at the teams they beat and hung in games with, right? Gonzaga, who at yeah. that point was 30, you know, they beat Michigan mm-hmm. and they beat Alabama. Right. Three very highly regarded teams. They either hung in the game with and could have won in the right. Gonzaga case and then beat Alabama and Michigan. So yeah, I think that UCLA played a huge part in the UCLA Gonzaga game becoming a classic. It wasn't just Jalen Suggs to me. It was Johnny Juzang missing the the shot and then collecting his own rebounds and putting it back in with 3.3 seconds left on the clock. 100%. Like it wasn't, and sorry if my cats are meowing. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I can't control them. Now you're good. Uh, um, I think that UCLA to me was probably the story of the tournament. And I thought, I mean, I'll, I'll throw this to Bryce. Bryce, you got to think UCLA has a very bright future. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always liked Mick Cronin as a coach when he was at, was he, when he was at Cincinnati and he turned that program around. I mean, you, you see him yelling and screaming on the sidelines, very animated, very intense coach. And, and, I, I like that. I enjoy that. It, it just shows that you care and you're there to win basketball games, but you're also there to, to get guys better at basketball. And when he took the UCLA job, obviously we know the UCLA job was, or UCLA was a program that, you know, obviously has a storied greatness behind it, you know, with yeah. John Wooden and, and the 11 championships, you know, Steve Alford was kind of revered as, Oh, this is the guy that's going to take us out of it. 
Well, he leaves for Nevada. In my opinion, that's that's a, a demotion, in my opinion, yeah. you know, to go to Nevada. 100%. And so Mick Cronin, I feel like that that the UCLA job is a job that there's a lot of pressure to perform because of, of the history. I agree. And Mick Cronin is going to – and he's a guy that's going to do it his way or, or you guys can just leave. Y'all can just bounce. And these guys bought into Mick Cronin's – intensity they bought into his coaching they bought into what he's trying to do there and we saw in this tournament they reap the benefits for it you know we've seen you know usually we don't pay any attention to the first four teams that play that first night because we're like okay they're really not, not that good much. they're gonna they're gonna get beat in the first or second round anyway sure. doesn't even matter right but now we've seen one go all the way to the final four and that's just incredible and and you can't help right. but not root for or for or to root for Mick Cronin and the, and that program, I, I mean, it's good to see UCLA get back on track. I mean, we haven't seen it since Westbrook and Kevin Love were there. So, um, but no, I mean, as as far as the season goes, though, I mean, we we've seen teams battle COVID, um, but nonetheless, we got a lot of college basketball games in. We saw Absolutely. a lot of amazing players. We saw some great conference tournaments, and we had a great finish right here in our city of Indianapolis. Yep. And they did a phenomenal job. And we only missed out on one game. One game in the first round. I mean, that's that's an incredible job by the staff, by Indianapolis. This is where basketball lives, right here in Indianapolis. We can host these large events, not just basketball. We were one of the best hosts for Super Bowl. We're going to host the college football playoff game or championship game this coming uh, this coming season, which is super exciting. Yep. India is the place to be for sports, period. Yeah. And, there, and we should get the utmost respect from everybody else. And we should be considered for these big ticket games going forward. I just don't see how, how we can't be. No, I agree with you. I, I mean, Indy's been fantastic. I mean, basically, they've been getting just about everything you can think of. I mean, for crying out loud, they were going to get the NBA All-Star game. Um, yeah. I mean, they were going to get they were going to get all this stuff. And, and, you know, COVID just really crashed the party. But I agree. Um, as a city, they've been tremendous. They were tremendous with the tournament. I think overall, the conferences and, and the way that everything started out, um, I think it was all about as good as you can make it happen. Um, these guys wanted to play um, and they deserve credit for that um, because there's a lot of sacrifice that these guys put into. Um, and Alex, I know, I, I believe you were there for the Jared Butler conference. I mean, he's basically saying, well, we're done. Like his first thing that he says after he wins a national championship in front of the media is we're done. I mean, guys are exhausted. Guys are mentally drained from 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 this. I mean, they just are. Like, uh, it doesn't matter if you're the national champion. It doesn't matter if you weren't able to play in the NCAA tournament at all, and you hardly won a game. Um, at the end of the day, that that was a lot for for teams to go through, um, you know. And I, I think in in general, I felt like that statement from Butler kind of summarized all of this 2020 2021 basketball season. Like, it's been good. It's been good to happen. But it's a lot, and it's really going to tear down these players. And and to be quite honest with you, Alex, I know you're looking at it from the NBA lens, but I'll be very curious to see how much these kids are affected by the grind of the college basketball season, and then going straight to do all this combine stuff for the league. Because you got to think that that's that's going to be uh, something to keep an eye on uh, with these college kids. Because I mean, I don't think feel like last year you can fully. I'm not saying you know it didn't hurt those guys last year in terms of getting ready. I think it did, but I think this year it's going to be a different ball game. And I'm curious to kind of see where that, where that lines up. I I mean, so, okay. First of all, I think having no draft or no tournament last year and having delayed draft, I think it actually really helped the rookies, right? Like, because it gave them more time to train, right. And maybe get their bodies ready for an NBA season. Whereas, you know, normally you have a three month off season and these guys, these rookies coming in are coming in on a unique advantage with 20-year-old legs and six months of rest. Like, how often does that ever happen? So now you're looking right. at Anthony Edwards in Minnesota, and he's thriving, right? And you can't say if he would have thrived at a regular season, like, occurred last year. Or LaMelo Ball in Charlotte before he got injured. Um, you know, yeah. I think I think that is something. There is something to the longer offseason helping these younger guys, right? Like, Tyrese Halliburton, normally rookies hit a wall. And, like, Tyrese Halliburton and Edwards. Edwards hasn't 
only hasn't hit a wall. He's accelerating through the wall and the wall is a pile of dust as he drives past it. Right. Like most rookies by this point in the season are usually flailing out, but this is the thing that strikes me about the NCAA tournament. And I think that we saw last year in the NBA bubble, right? Especially with a a team like the Clippers. And I know the Clippers are a source of much much derision on this network. (laughs) But we saw, like, I mean, just to be serious about it for a second, I know this name is going to get discounted as soon as I bring it up. Paul George, right? He said he was very exhausted after last year's bubble. Yeah, he was. Like, and then you think about it, those guys are getting paid for that. (laughs) Right. And these guys are not seeing their families. These guys are not, you yeah. know, and exposure. Sure. Right. Like I'm sure Jalen Suggs will come into the league now and be 10 times more famous sure. now that he hit the shot. But I, th- when that's the only thing you gain from it, it's, it sounded like a miserable experience. And I mean, like the NBA yeah. bubble sounded like a miserable experience and these are millionaires. <laughs> sure. Even if you sure. want to believe Bagman exists, these kids aren't millionaires. <laughs> right. I'll tell you that much. No, like based on what uh, old Sean was given DeAndre out in Arizona, these kids aren't millionaires. No, they're not. So. <laughs> no, they're not. And that's a good point. Like, um, I think that it had to be men- mentally draining for the kid. I saw the one um, Twitter reporter say that one of the Baylor players actually finally saw and hugged their family for the first time in 30 days. Right. Yeah. Like not like to go back to the NBA example, like com- compare and contrast with the NBA. Not only are you not millionaires, you're like, at the absolute oldest, 23 years old. Right. So, yeah. Listen, it it had to be done because the NCAA needed to make money, but the not, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't like touching this subject because, you know, I don't know how like it will go on this podcast, but it just like, that's the one part I didn't like about it. You know, just like about the kids not getting paid because if you were paying the players, it would make me feel a lot better about sequestering them in Indianapolis for a month. Right. That would make me feel a lot better, but I just, you know, it's a touchy situation. It is. It is. It is a touchy situation. Maybe um, for another day. And, 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 you know, I think, I think with, with college and, and with sports in general, obviously there's things that they're trying to do with the likeness and image stuff. And um, who knows how much of an impact that'll make when that gets settled. Uh, but, but I think, I think overall, you know, just given the circumstances of the season, everybody managed it to the best of their abilities and, and off, off we go from there. And that leads us into some basketball talk, you guys. And um, I mean, let's just get right into it with the champions, uh, the Baylor Bears, a uh, team that uh, just came out and knocked the door shut off of Gonzaga. Um, you know, the, the undefeated season was broken, Alex. You had a piece on it. You talked about it. How did you see this Baylor team come into this game? And I mean, I, I mean, Alex, I mean, from the TV perspective, um, it, it seemed as if they uh, were completely athletic. Uh, it seemed as if they were dominant in every way. It seemed as if every pass was tipped. It seemed as if everything was just. Um, it was hard. Just, uh, yeah, just, yeah, like mobbled up, like all just gobbled up in this one little area. And Baylor picked up everything. I mean, from your perspective, from being there at the game, how did they get it done? How did they become the national champions this year? So there is a tweet from Michael like Jr. that I saw. And the tweet said, it looks like Baylor works out with the football team. And that tweet yeah. could not have been more true. Like they were just they punched him in the mouth. Gonzaga never yeah, led did. at any single point in the game. Like, and after um Davion Mitchell scored the first basket about 30 seconds into the game, um Gonzaga after Baylor built their lead, Gonzaga never got it closer than nine. No, the re- whole rest of the game. Yeah, no, it's a great. So, point. I thought it started with the. I mean, getting Jalen Suggs in foul trouble he, was huge early in the game. Getting him with two fouls, because I mean, listen, guys, I said this in the chat, and Caleb wasn't a fan of this, but Jalen Suggs was by far the best player on the court yesterday. And then numbers nine, one, two through ten were Baylor players. Because no one on Gonzaga could get anything going. Like the difference between Baylor and Gonzaga to my eye is that Gonzaga has, you know, two lottery players in Kisper and Suggs. Whereas but Baylor, excuse me, I keep wanting to say Butler because they have Jared Butler. So if I say it a few more times, just correct me because that that's kind of a tick I had writing and saying it. Gotcha. But Baylor had like, so you have 
you have Butler, you have Mitchell, you have Teague, right? Those three guards are probably going to play in the NBA just based on the strength of their shooting and defense, right? And then you have Mayer coming off the bench, who I don't think he's going to come out of the draft this year, but that kid's going to get drafted. Like, he's got the NBA body. Yeah, he does. Like, he's weirdly athletic. Yeah, mm-hmm. he is. He looks like he looks like a hillbilly. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's the hair. But Definitely the hair. <laughs> he can make threes. He can play defense. Butler, or <laughs> see, I said it again. Baylor is just so, so deep. And I think that was really the difference, right? Because once Suggs went into foul trouble, they had to bring in this cook kid on Gonzaga. And they it just didn't work, right? No. And no. They let's let's just talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Timmy looked terrible. Absolutely terrible. And they made him look terrible on both ends. And in the article I yeah, wrote they for NCAA.com, I'm gonna go check it out. Um yeah. plug it. The, basically what they did was they Scott Drew said it in the press conference that he his game plan was to not let Timmy catch the ball. And the guards, the Mitchell's defense is incredible. He's gonna step into the league and be Patrick Beverly on defense right away. Like that is crazy. Like he is that good already at denying the ball. He's extremely good at it. And that's why that to me is why Suggs, what Suggs did yesterday was so impressive because he was getting around Mitchell and Butler, but that's not what we're talking about. So Timmy only shot seven times yesterday and coming into the, coming into the game, he had 20 points or more in every single game. And and then on the other end, they were just abusing him, right? Mitchell is such a good pick and roll player because he knows how to manipulate the defense. And Timmy likes to show on the pick and rolls, right? Where he comes out to the um, the ball handler. And then normally what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to show and then recover into the paint. But what Butler's big guys were doing, and Butler's big guys, I can't remember all their names, but like Flo Thamba. I don't know number 23's name. It's like Tashat to chat you are or something like that. I'm, I apologize, yeah. Jonathan. Everyday John, I know that's, everyday John, everyday John, everyday John, give him no, the nickname, that's, everyday John, <laughs> everyday John, everyday John's the nickname. That's, that's what Caleb John. calls him. Yeah. Everyday John. Yeah. That's Cause the name right there, baby. I mean, I can't pronounce his name for the life of me. I could barely even spell it. Um, but their big guys were just so like Mark vital, right? Like that guy's not put big. some respect on vital Caleb Lynn. He like, he's not big, but he's like, he's bulky. Right. And he was yeah. a he, thick he boy. Got, he got vital had three offensive rebounds in the first 90 seconds of the game oh, yeah. yesterday. He was balling. Like he was balling on the boards. Baylor just had everything figured out and Gonzaga didn't because what Baylor was doing was they were abusing Timmy on both sides. And, and Timmy finished with five turnovers too. <laughs> and three of them were just dribbling into trying to dribble something into the paint, which he should never be allowed to do. I don't know why he thought that was okay. He's like, you're seven foot tall. Get your ass in the post and seal. The times he was able to seal, he scored. But yeah, he did. He just wasn't able to do that. Right. And then what would happen was, you know, Mayer picked up a steal, I think. Um, Mitchell picked up a steal. He just, like, he just dribbled. And you know what happens when big guys try to dribble usually, unless you're like Nikola Jokic, the ball's going to get stolen from you. So. It just, it doesn't make sense given, I mean, and this is a credit to Baylor as well. Uh, but Bryce, in, you and you and I have been pretty much on Baylor from the get go. But oh yeah, you know Timmy, t- Timmy in the way Gonzaga plays is very they they cut a lot, they get sharp athletic cuts from Suggs, from Ayayi, and from Nimhart, and that works in the West Coast Conference when you face big boys like the Big Twelve guards, uh, that ain't working. That ain't working when you got Teague and you got Mitchell and you got Butler, which affected, which I think Alex didn't get talked about enough in terms of Timmy's ball handling is like, typically you don't see Timmy do that, but because they just took the cuts out of the picture, he had to dribble. And that's, to be honest, in my opinion, that's exactly what Scott Drew wanted because I think he was convinced that even if they double Timmy, Baylor's guards can reach the shooters that were left open and to be honest, Alex, that's what happened. I mean, it, it just, it was a pretty incredible um, defensive performance, Bryce. This is a team that you've been, you've been loving from the get-go. Uh, you, you loved everything about it. You and I have been talking about this team 
very high praise uh, for yeah. a good month now. And, you know, one of the things that we said, Bryce, was we need some big Jared Butler games because that's how they're going to get it done in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And Bryce, he absolutely gave them that in this yeah, tournament. He, I mean, yeah, he delivered in the final four against Houston and he absolutely de- delivered in the championship game. And Caleb, yeah. this was a complete offensive performance from the Baylor team. It wasn't one guy's off, uh, you know, two more will pick up the slack. No, you got dosage of Teague. You got a dosage of Butler. You got a dosage of Mitchell. You got, uh, you got vital on the boards. You got Flo Thamba, uh, you know, setting really good screens. You got everyday John setting really good screens and rebounding. I mean, just a complete performance through and through. I mean, they, they blew Gonzaga completely off the court and yes, Jared Butler proved why he, He's the best. He was the best player, you know, on that team, on the team. And I I thought with the exception of Cade Cunningham, he was the best player. Well, maybe he he is the best player, regardless of Cade Cunningham in the Big 12 conference. I mean, he he was the most outstanding player of the tournament and rightfully so. He does so much. It took him a little while to get going, but. Man, it just, and, and they were so hot from three AB. Yeah, I mean, they, they hit what, like their first five, you know? And, and I mean, just incredible shooting it at an incredible incredible. Clip. incredible clip. Incredible clip. Yeah, it, it was. It was just fun to watch. It, obviously, you kind of wanted a better game, right? Sure. But it is incredible to watch really good basketball, at least from one team. And you see how, yeah. what a dominant team looks like a well-coached team looks like totally just a complete performance on offense complete performance on defense and that's why they're national champions and caleb we were on this we yeah, told we them that caleb, uh, baylor is a complete team they have the depth they have the starters they have the go-to guys it all came together all and it things. paid off with, with a national championship. So I'm not shocked one bit. I picked Baylor to win it all in the bracket challenge and they did. And guess what, boys, you're looking at the bracket challenge champion of the running hook podcast network group, baby crown me crown well, me in Bryce. I think the other part of it with, with Baylor that makes this such, I mean, what may honestly what won them the game was everybody talked about the fact that Baylor's big men have to be very active, right? Yes. And and Bryce, I I, I called him out for two weeks. I said, I said, where's Mark Vital? All he does is send, get in foul trouble, get on the bench, and becomes a, a lost on the court. He was he was lost in the last two games, and for him to come out and have the game that he had against Gonzaga, where nobody boxed him out, nobody even got close. He needed to have that good of a game because, you know, everyday John was clearly in foul trouble. There was no question about that. Uh, there was Thamba no question too. that Thompa was in foul trouble. Yeah. Um, and they needed Vital to guard guys like Timmy at the whole game. And he did. And Mayer had to play a lot more minutes than he normally and does. And he played well. And he played very well. He did his job. Flagler, Adam Flagler too. If Flagler's it's good, he is, is it he Adam? Is I don't think it's Adam. It's Adam. It's Adam Flagler. It's Adam. But Flagler. It's, it's okay. those. It's those role players, you guys. It's oh yeah. The fact that they can. The fact that those guys had had a purpose in the game. They knew what to do. That's that is such a big like that is such a big deal in college basketball. Like when everybody's trying to be the star level guy, for to have guys because. Let's let's face it, you guys. Almost everybody on that team returned. Every guy. So every guy could have said, Well, I'm gonna be that dude. I'm gonna be that effing dude. I'm gonna get to the league. I'm gonna try to be a first round pick. And that's how I'm gonna evaluate my season. And Baylor said, No. No. Jared Butler could have gone to the lottery. What does he do? I'll stay. Davion could have probably been a second round pick. I don't think anybody expected this. But in terms of like, you know, maybe making the pros, yeah. Teague was a good player. He was actually legitimately going to the pros and then last minute change says, I'm coming back to college. You guys like, that's just, that, that's, I like Bryce said, that's a huge credit to Scott drew, but it's a huge credit to guys accepting and knowing their roles in, in, in a, in a world in basketball where a lot of guys are too worried about the Instagram flashy moves and the Instagram flashy workouts. And the fact that they dropped 30 ball Baylor, just pushed that narrative to the side and beat Gonzaga, a team that was looking for a perfect season. It was, it was an incredible story and, and they completely deserve it. And, and that kind of leads me into the other teams that, you know, we were able to, 
obviously see, um, you know, Gonzaga clearly was not undefeated. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, guys like Timmy Suggs uh, just didn't, I mean, Suggs had a good game. Timmy was, um, you know, totally out of the picture. Uh, but, but I guess like my question for you guys is when you're looking at the other two teams, uh, when you're looking at Houston and we mentioned this a little earlier, but with the UCLA, I mean, how do you guys look at this? I mean, cause for, for crying out loud, like Houston got their butts killed and like Houston, every freaking Houston, every, every year, every year, this is a type of, t- this is, a, you know, Samson's known for this great defensive energy. Um, but clearly they just, they didn't have enough. Um, and I didn't expect a, a night, I mean, a blowout like that, that to me, I, for a Samson team, that's gotta be disappointing. I'll, I'll Bryce, if you don't want to talk about Houston, you, you don't have to, I'll, I'll just sum it up like this. Okay. Baylor blew out an undefeated team. Why wouldn't they do the same to Houston? Right. Right. Like Houston's a fraud. They're not, I don't know if I would say they're frauds, they're but a like, fraud. They shut down Grimes, who was shooting yeah. 41% from three coming into the game and only shot one for eight in the game. Yeah. And they shut down Giroux, who could yeah, only... Giroux got the only other field goal that wasn't Marcus Sasser in the first half. Now, um, I don't remember who hit a free throw for the Cougars, but someone someone hit a free throw, a lone free throw. But Sasser had 17 out of the 20, and that was mostly just because they were not focusing on him at all. So he was practically wide open half the time. He was right. hitting some crazy pull-ups, but... Baylor's just the best team, man. And sometimes no, they the best were. team. Yep. That doesn't mean Houston was bad. No. I mean, no. Rutgers probably should have won in the um, second round. Rutgers should have absolutely won that game. I, in my opinion, I thought Houston had a fairly easy road to the final four, for being completely honest. I never bought Houston from the jump. Caught a little lightning in the bottle. Hey, it is what it is. But water always seeks its own level. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, when you look at a guy like Jarreau, AB, you probably saw him, right? You were there. You saw how skinny he was. Oh, he was. And the, I was. And the I dude was like, has a hip injury. Yeah. And the dude has a hip injury too. And, and like you yeah. said, Baylor looks like they lift with the football team. So, uh, you know, whoever was yeah. guarding, I can't remember if it was Mitchell Butler or even they, probably Teague. This was the thing that enthralled me, right? And I wasn't bored at all during the Houston game. Like I didn't watch much of the second half because I was writing during most of it, but sure. during the first half when they were building the 25 point lead, like their defense, right? And this is what made their defense so special to me. On a string is a very overused defensive, you know, cliche, right? Like, yeah, you know, like, like, oh, the, the Lakers defense against the Heat moved on a string, which in game six it did, but like not for the whole series, right? But the Baylor defense actually moves on a string. <laughs> it's crazy. And obviously Mitchell is allowed to kind of play free safety. But, you know, like Houston would try to run these handoffs, right? Like to try to get anything going. And Teague and Butler and Mitchell, they just switch every time and there'd be nothing. No progress towards the rim. Nothing. Right. They Basically, to borrow a football term, they're getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage every single yep. time, right? Like they 100%. can't get anything towards the paint. And in the second half from what I glimpsed, because again, I was writing during it because I had no fear of Baylor losing that lead. Um, what I glimpsed is that the big guys for Houston actually started making a difference. Houston had a, a lot of offensive rebounds in the second half, but by then it was just too late. So yep. Baylor was just the better team against Houston. And I, again, I don't think Houston sucked. I just think they had a really bad, like if they drew Gonzaga, I don't think I would have liked their chances a lot more actually after watching these four games. Like, I think that, I mean, we saw, we saw how Baylor manhandled them inside. Yeah. Houston was just as athletic inside as oh, they were. Yeah. As Baylor was. The yeah. problem was just the guards. Yeah, it was for Houston. So I, I do think that that would have been an interesting, more interesting matchup, but it would have, um, but you know, you guys made a good point. It was a blowout. Um, you know, I clearly Baylor, you know, was the better team. I don't think anybody doubted that. Um, but just the, the whole, the whole idea of, a, you know, the Samson team not doing very well and in a game where it felt like they could have maybe done a little, little more than they did uh, underwhelming to say the least, you know, UCLA fantastic season uh, by, by every stretch of imagination to get to where they got. Um, it, it was very good. Um, very curious about the next direction of that team. Um, is Lewis going to stay or is he going to go to IU? 
I think that's a thing to watch out for because I think that's a big get if he goes to IU. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I think if you, if you look at it from the perspective of UCLA gaining guys back, they're going to be a really good team. You're talking about them probably as top 10 team in the country. Uh, they're that good. Um, if they get their guys back, um, if Drew Zhang chooses to go to the NBA, uh, which in my opinion, he absolutely should, because he's never going to play a better stretch in his life, stock is then, high, baby. then you, you need to go. But <clears throat> uh, there's some pieces on that team uh, that can make me think that they can do well, um, you know, and really push for something next year. Cronin has built something. They're getting a top 50 recruit. They're, 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 they're moving in the right direction. Cronin is, is one of the best coaches in college basketball. And for everybody that's been kind of sleeping on the Cincinnati success, the thing that I find most impressive, Bryce, and, and you touched on it a little bit, but he's always had that very uh, fired up mentality. But, but I would argue, Bryce, he, he really was not that really was not that for UCLA. Like it wasn't as obvious in the games at all that he was like that. He, no, I he think was, he's mellowed out. He's, he's mellowed out. And I don't know if that's because of the team. I don't know if that's because of the, I don't know what it is. Um, but I don't think he got enough credit for that. Um, he made it a huge adjustment for that team. In my opinion, that's what got him to where it got him. Um, because let's face it, there, there could have been times where you sat there, you know, say the Michigan game or, even in the Gonzaga game where you could have lit him up and where Cronin would have lit him up if he was in Cincinnati, but he didn't not as much at least. Yeah. And that makes a difference. Uh, and that's a credit to adjusting yourself as a coach. And, and meanwhile, after, uh, you know, the final four, there's been some big news regarding college basketball, just some news topics and let's get into it. Bryce, I know you wanted to talk about Hubert Davis being hired to North Carolina. Uh, you know, how do you feel about the hire? Um, this is the first, if I'm correct, this is the first black, uh, coach, uh, in North Carolina uh, school history for basketball, um, which is uh, remarkable to say the least. It's remarkable. Um, I'll be honest. I was kind of shocked. I was, I was, I thought they would have gone for something flashier, but apparently that's who Roy Williams wanted to get the job and he got the job. So, uh, what do you think about Hubert Davis going to North Carolina? I, I like it. I like it. I mean, Heber Davis has been on Roy Roy Williams staff for, for a few years now. Um, I think he, being, you know, he's a North Carolina guy, you know, so I, I think this hire makes sense. I think it fits. Um, I don't know if you, I'm Caleb, I'm sure you did. I don't know about you, AB, but uh, you know, I used to listen to Hubert Davis on college game day. Oh and, yeah. I mean, he yeah. is, he is a student of the game, uh, obviously being a, a very good three point shooter in the NBA. Right. Um, I, I, I like his demeanor. I like his mentality. I think he'll be good for the program. Um, you know, are, are they, is it going to be UNC dominance right off the bat? No, probably right. not. Right. But I'm, I don't, I don't feel like UNC is going to fade off into oblivion. I'll put it that way. Yeah. You know, like, like some of these other historical programs, you know, after their famous coach leaves, you know, kind of like an IU situation. If Absolutely. You so, yeah. uh, no, I like Hubert Davis. I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah, I thought they might go in a different direction, but I think this makes sense. Well, and Alex, you know, here, here's a thing that I, to look for in this job is obviously Davis's NBA experience. Um, and to maybe most people in our generation, that's a guy they can connect to through game day. And the fact that he's been on Roy Williams staff forever. Um, you know, a guy that actually considered going to North Carolina was a guy named Jalen Suggs coming out of high school. Um, Alex, I mean, you know, you had a lot to say about Suggs and his talents. You know, if if you can bring that in, you know, to North Carolina, who let's just be honest, like in terms of getting perimeter talent, that's that's not existent in Carolina. The best the best perimeter guy that they've had in quite a while, Bryce, has been what? Ty Lawson? Yikes. Uh Wayne. Kendall Ellington. Marshall. Kendall Marshall. I mean, you guys, Marcus we're going, Page. we're, go, we're going, got you guys. <laughs> You're going back to Ty Lawson though. Ty Lawson was almost, was like but you guys, you ago. guys, none of, none of those guys, none of those, come on. You, are you going to put any of those guys, maybe Marcus Page, but you going to put any of those guys above Ty Lawson. I mean, no, I mean especially I, if you're looking at NBA careers. If, oh, if we're talking about NBA careers, probably. And, 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 and Alex, that's my question talent, for you. He's had talent. Yeah, because, because, you know, you, you, I mean, because I know you had a lot to say about a guy like Suggs and, you know, I want you to get to that. But at the same time, you know, Hubert Davis, I mean, he could be able to bring in some talent that they haven't had in a while. So, OK, so, you know, as you know, I listen to every Lane Sanity podcast. Um, oh, thanks, I, A.B. You know, you know, I, I, I do my job around here. Right. 
you something you guys talked about when you know so Caleb in particular hammers this point home when he talks about the IU job is you need to get away from the era of Bobby Knight, right? Yeah. Well, couldn't you say North Carolina is in a very similar situation? Not with uh, not with Roy, but Dean, Dean Smith. Smith. Yeah. Dean Smith is the ghost that lurks over the UNC program. I think the difference is is that I think. I think Dean and Bobby Knight had a relatively similar amount of success. I don't know. I think definitely what? did. They definitely did. Yeah. But Dean also had Michael Jordan. <laughs> and right. I, it doesn't matter how old you are. <laughs> Michael Jordan's always going to resonate with kids, especially because of the shoes. Um, I think that Carolina, it just depends on how they adapt to modern basketball. Because they're one of those schools that tries to get four or five star kids to stay for four four years, and that's not that just isn't how it yeah, works. The, game's anymore. A, the game has changed. I like, mean, most definitely, you're it right. Absolutely, yes. You're right. Look at look at Kobe White and Cole Anthony, right? Yep. I'm sure Dean thought both of those guys were going to stay all four years, or not. Maybe maybe not Kobe White, but definitely Cole Anthony, right? Like, I mean. It's just we've already seen him regret the fact that he didn't that he went to the NBA this early. Oh, come on. Come on, Caleb. Don't do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> regret the fact he got injured. What's he supposed to do? I'll He's just say like 15 points a game. Come on now, Caleb. Oh, if, he shoots, if he shoots as many times. As he oh, you're a hater. You're a hater. I no, like I'm Cole not. Anthony. I, I like Cole him. Anthony a lot. I thought he was going to stay another year after he got injured. Continue. Let's though. See, let me. Let me, let me look up Cole Anthony's stats here. So 11 points a game. Listen, he's a rookie it's point fine. guard. So, so he's not. It is fine. I'm just not, saying he could have been fine. really good this year in college. And he's he it's fine. Away. I mean, fine. you want to play with leaky black. Take the bag. Caleb, this is what you're saying with Juzang, isn't it? Take the bag over, you know, whatever. But I think that, I don't know. Like, obviously you need elite perimeter talent to win, but they just won a couple of years ago. And it was like Marcus Page and Justin Jackson yeah. and a couple other guys. So, I mean, it's not like this is a program that hasn't had success like IU in forever. I mean, this no. is a pro- this program yeah. that's won several times in the past 20 years. So, yes, I wouldn't be as concerned about um, about old old Hubert as uh, I would be about about. No, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I. I think that's a, that's something that, that they have to keep an eye on. No question. I mean, you already got guys, you know, testing the waters out there, you know, and um, you know, I just, you know, you lose Kessler to the transfer portal. Like I just, they're going to have to really revamp the roster. And I'm not saying you can't do that in North Carolina. Like you clearly can because there, you know, there's a lot there, but I'm, I just, part, part of me thinks that this is an opportunity for Hubert Davis to really take advantage of it. The expectations are going to be significantly high. Um, I mean, there's just no question. It's North Carolina. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's North Carolina. And like you said, Alex, uh, you've won uh, very recently. Um, and, and so the expectations are going to be, hey, like, let's let's get back to that. Let's get back to that success as soon as possible. Um, I don't know if they can do that. I think he can. I think Hubert's good. Uh, but we'll, we'll see where that goes. And, and that kind of leads me into the next transition here with, with Mike Woodson as well. He was able to bring in some staff, uh, Kenya Hunter and Dane Fife, uh, Bryce, you were absolutely clamoring for Fife to go to Indiana. You were just yeah, baby. You were all over. You were all over it. You were wanting Fife to go there. Uh, and then obviously they went out and kept some guys, right? Trace Jackson Davis comes back. Christian Lander comes back. Uh, Geronimo comes back. I mean, how do you, how do you feel about, the overall moves that they made as a, as a staff, keeping guys there. Um, I mean, how do we feel about what Indiana has been doing? Uh, I, I, Caleb, it's getting better and better. It's getting better and better for me because I, I'm, I'm liking the Woodson hire more and more. You bring Dane Fife, a former Hoosier back on the bench, you know, where, where he sat under Tom Izzo for years, Caleb, I'm getting the feeling that he's going to be the coach in waiting. Uh, I agree. It's set up for that. It is set up for that. And he's still not done building the staff. So I'm super excited to see who else he gets. Yeah. Michael Lewis being, being one of them. Right. Am I correct on that? Yes. Yes. So, I mean, if he brings him in, that's another time assistant coach, Uh, keeping trace Jackson Davis, huge, 
Huge move for the Hoosiers. If he doesn't stay, I don't know that players like Christian Lander and Jordan Geronimo stay. I really don't know. I think they might both. Well, the the key the key there though, Bryce, is they did get they did get them both back. But are you saying yeah. that that they're not? They may be one. It may be one of those things where they want to go right back in the portal again. No, no. I'm saying if Cherries would have left, I see. I don't saying. know. What, I don't know if Lander or Geronimo would have stayed. That's fair. I think that's what I'm saying. And I mean, what what does it tell you, Caleb? I think I sent you this tweet from an IU source that after Trace Jackson Davis's father met with Mike Woodson, Trace's dad immediately came out and looked at Trace and said, "You're staying." After after they were dead set on entering the draft, what does that tell you, Caleb? Right. I mean, right. That, there is something there is something brewing in Bloomington, and I like where this is headed for this program, Caleb. I gotta say. Yeah. No, hundred percent. They've made the right moves. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And and Alex, I know you've 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 countered uh, when the hire first happened about Woodson's NBA experience. How that's going to be attractive. Um, you know, how do you feel about, okay, you know, the guys are staying, uh, they seem committed to the team. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be about winning uh, because at the end of the day, that's what IU fans want. They feel like they have unrealistic expectations of their program, Alex. Listen, this is what, this is what the game plan should, should have been apparently obvious that it was going to be from the beginning. You don't bring in a guy like Thad Mata to, in that special role. If you're not going to surround Mike Woodson with, you know, the requisite recruiting talent, that he needs to succeed in the in the Big Ten, right? Yeah, like, yeah I agree. Yeah. Like, I always thought that this was never going to be a bad idea because I thought that that's the right way to phrase this. Listen, Mike Woodson was a very good NBA head coach. I know he had under 500 record, but if you take away his first season in which his roster was absolutely his first season in Atlanta in which the roster was absolutely terrible. Yeah, he was. turned around, he turned Atlanta into a playoff team he by did. the time time his tenure was up in Atlanta. And then New York was just a shit show. And the one good year he had, he played mellow at the four and surrounded him with all those, like, you know, one year away from retirement vets, like Rashid and Jason yeah. Kidd. Like, it's not his fault that they weren't as good the next year when, wow, what a shock that Rasheed Wallace, drafted in 1995, (laughs) is retired. What a shock that Jason Kidd, who was drafted in 1994, retired before the 2013-14 season. It's absolutely just mind-blowing concept. 100%. But, I mean, Woodson is a good NBA coach, and I think he's actually surprisingly modern. But I think the the knock on him was always that, you know, oh, he's conservative. Oh, he's conservative. You know, he'll make your defense good, but he won't make your offense good. I think that in terms of strictly basketball, I think it was a good hire. Now, recruiting is a different monster. And it's why, like, it's just it's a completely different monster because you have to try to attract talent while drawing up the X's and O's. Exactly right. But if you have a like. Like, if Dane Fife is as good as everyone says, right? You have Thad Mata, who ran a successful program at Ohio State, where it's not easy to run a Amazing successful basketball. Oh, wait. Like, it's not like Bryce, you'll admit this. Like, Ohio State's not an easy place to run a basketball program because that is, it's second on the pecking order, but it's a very distant second. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's hard to get recognition. Absolutely. So he built an amazing program there. And I think that, you know, IU's probably going to be fine. I understand why this move was unpopular at first because, oh, under 500 record. But sure. nobody, nobody cares to think about things anymore. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Like, it, if a guy has a shitty roster, yes, he's going to go 15 and 67 his first year on the job. Of course. Right. Go look at that. Go look at his first year on the job. Look at that roster. Like, I think that was Boris Diaz's rookie year. Right. Okay. Oh, wow. Like, Antoine Walker <laughs> was on the team for half the season before they dumped him. So, right. I, this is off the top of my head, but I, it just was. I I understood why people were upset, but I, I just don't think that people that were ripping the move are putting it in the proper context. In, at least in terms of no, the NBA fair. record, that's fair. Um, and and there, there's going to be a lot that obviously has to keep digesting, uh, you know, and follow along. Um, you know, I'll be active on, on Twitter discussing all of this. Uh, so please, please keep in tune, even though we won't be having as much college basketball content, uh, please stay in tuned. I'll still be cranking out stuff for that. Uh, but, but meanwhile, guys, um, as the season, as the season ends, we do have the beautiful NCAA tournament. 
that just concluded on us. Uh, so let's let's do a fun segment. Let's do some top performances, some guys we want to talk about just to end the season. Uh, Alex, I want you to start off first. I know you got a guy you want to talk about for a while. Yeah, I really wanted to talk about Jalen Suggs. I was very impressed with him this whole weekend, right? So the fun, the game against UCLA, right? It's not a huge numbers game, right? He has 16, 5, and 5. Obviously, he hits the shot. So it's a very loud 16, 5, and 5. But the game against Baylor is going to go underrated because they lost by so much. But in the second half, like when he came back in after his um, after his second foul, when he came back in with about 10 minutes left in the first half, he was the only person on Gonzaga who could get anything against Baylor's defense. And this, to me, is why he will be an elite NBA player. Because if you can do that against that defense when they can play defense against you differently than in college than they can in the NBA, he is going to get buckets at the NBA level. Because he was the only person who could get into the paint and make anything. I'm pretty sure Corey Kispert's threes were both a direct result of Suggs drawing three guys in the lane and kicking it back out to the perimeter, right? I thought that Suggs, you know, no one else, like who else of the top guards had been able to penetrate Baylor's defense all all postseason? Like no one else had been able to get into the teeth of that defense, right? Like Moody. Yeah. They shut down Moody and Moody's going to probably still go in the top 10, but Right. They shut down a lot of guards, a lot of elite guards, right? Yeah, like man. they should the way they played like Villanova, right? Out Justin Moore is not a joke. No, he's not. And I know Good they point. were missing Gillespie, but I I thought that the way Suggs, you know, was able to get into the teeth of the defense despite the odds against him. I thought again, they lost. So obviously sure. you have to you throw that grain of salt on there. But I just I love the way that he played against the Baylor defense. Bryce, what do you have? I think for me, my I, I, I think you have to talk about uh, Davion Mitchell um, from, from Baylor. I know we've talked about him before, but he's so impactful uh, on both sides of the ball. Like I, I would almost I would almost be willing to say equal, maybe even a bit more than Jared Butler for Baylor, because what Mitchell brings on the defensive side of the ball is so much energy and aggression, but it's controlled aggression. And he even carries that over to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, if you if you have Davion Mitchell one on one, okay, and, and Mitchell has the ball and he gets ahead of steam, you're not stopping him on the way to the basket. Yeah. Uh, and then not to mention he can knock down a, a step back jump shot or a three pointer right at right in your face. Exactly. He's just an all around great great ball player. He should absolutely be a lottery pick. Teams should be looking at him at, as a very solid wing. Uh, a little bit of a project, but I, I think he is definitely an NBA ready guy that can play immediate minutes. Hey Bryce, just, just a real quick question. Yeah. If the Pacers are in the lottery and let's just say, you know, all the wings somehow evade the Pacers, how pissed will you be if the Pacers don't draft Davion Mitchell? If he's still there, I would be extremely upset because I think that's, that's what we need. Uh, you know, I know we just got Karis LeVert, uh, you know, we got TJ Warren right now, but Davion Mitchell should absolutely be drafted by the Pacers, and I would be extremely upset and once again declare that I am no longer a Pacers fan. What if Jared got drafted a Pacer? I would take Jared, but I, either one of them. Okay. Either okay. one of them. I would okay. take either one of them. But uh, I, would, I see that as realistic, so that's why I asked. Yeah, I could definitely see it. I mean, if it doesn't happen, you know, if we pass on him, you know, I'll declare myself no longer a Pacers fan like I have <laughs> done in the past, but yet I keep finding my way to them. So there's that. You know, Timmy's going to declare for the draft to get drafted 13. Hey, I'm going to punch you in the mouth if you don't shut up right now. Uh, and, and I think <laughs> I, the other performance for me, you know, and this is, to me, this is like an under the radar guy. Um, and, and personally, like you guys are going with the stars Inc., which I get it. Um, but I really don't think Baylor would have won this championship without Flagler. He, he hit, he hit clutch after clutch shot to kill route, to kill a rally, to kill a run came off the bench and when they didn't make threes, he was the one that was making threes. Um, you could argue he was their most consistent player. And I know that sounds crazy, but it felt like you always knew where he was going to be and you knew what he was going to bring and bring every single game in this tournament. I think he, he absolutely deserved this championship. He said, you came to Baylor for one reason. He said he just couldn't get over the fact of how competitive Teague, Mitchell, and Butler are in practices and just in games in general when it's, you know, between the team and interest scrimmages and all that jazz. Um, 
And you know what I got him? A guy that wasn't afraid of the moment, knocking down big shot after big shot after big shot. I love those stories. I think that's what Flagler did in this tournament. And, you know, and that right there is, is, is all you, all you can ask for when watching the NCAA tournament, this guy step up in the big time moments. And uh, without a further ado, um, Bryce, I, uh, I know we, we are moving into a different direction here. Um, and, and for your, you know, I, I wanted you to take it away, uh, hit the audience with the new direction that we will go in and the next phase of insanity. Yes, Caleb. We are we are pivoting once again, like we did after NFL. We got to pivot again because college basketball is over. Yes. What's left out there, Caleb? Oh. There's plenty uh, out there, but oh, I, yeah, th- there I think we're excited <laughs> to, to get a little into this. Oh, yeah, we're going to we be doing some NBA. Oh, yeah. We are baby. going to aid the NBA coverage that uh, our great editor and Running Hook Podcast Network and Power Hour host – Alex Burr does. So we're going to help him out and do that. Now, folks, uh, we won't leave you hanging on a little bit of NFL. We'll probably do a a free agency trade recap show for you somewhere in there. But we will be covering mainly NBA. We're going to get into the last couple weeks of the regular season and then do some playoff coverage. And guys, what do we do on Linsanity? Caleb. You know what we do? We bring in yes. guests. We bring in the guests. Yeah, we do. We're going to have J.D. Hall. We're going to have Devin Voss. We're going to have our lovely cinema host, Zach Griffith, on to oh, do yeah, some NBA. And, yep. guys, we're going to have a great time. We're very excited to bring you new content. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll have we'll have it all. Uh, you know, with this NBA pod, you know, we're going to bring in we're going to bring in content. Um, there's just going to be, it's going to be round table discussion. Um, you know, we're not going to sit here and give you this, we're not going to sit here and give you this, this, this analytical, we're not going to give it to you. That's what Alex and Dylan are there for. That's, they're going to give us the analytical. They're going to give us the the eye test. We're the eye testers. That's what we are. We're (laughs) talking to the main eye test guy on the network. (laughs) We, that's, that's at the end of the day, we're Uh, we're the, we're the, we're not going to break you down with, uh, you know, a bunch of stats. We're going to flip it. We're going to give you a different perspective of the league. Uh, you know, we're going to, we're basically, we're not, we're not going to try to jump in their lane and, and we're going to talk to them about what we're doing and what they're doing. Uh, we're going to be a team, you know, for the NBA playoffs. We're basically going to bring you everything that we can. Uh, guests will be on. Uh, we'll have the privilege of uh, roasting Zach Griffith. We'll have the privilege oh, easily. of uh, taking out Will Hogsett with LeBron talk. We'll have the privilege of no. taking out JD by telling him the Clippers choke. We'll have plenty of content available for all of you guys to, to, to consume. Uh, but the thing to, uh, that, that Bryce did not mention that I do want to mention um, is, is that we will not be having our podcast the next couple of weeks. Um, we have made this decision and um, I didn't even tell Zach or Alex and, and Bryce that I'm doing this, uh, but I, I am going to do this. I, I think I, I, I'm excited for this uh, in so many ways. Uh, this is going to be an opportunity for for us to um, just gain some some mental to, to gain some mental health out of this. And um, it is not you do not need to be afraid to to do that. Um, you do not need to be afraid to give yourself uh, those to those times, those opportunities uh, to allow yourself to to get back into a groove. I love doing this podcast. I want to continue doing this podcast. Let me keep repeating that over and over and over again. And as Alex is listening uh, to me doing this, Alex, I'm not giving up this podcast. But at the end of the know. day, the Bryce is right. It's sounding a lot more. Enticing yeah, right baby. Now. The Bryce is right. All, yeah. All I, all I all I know is, um, you, you know, this this will be a different chapter uh, for the next couple of weeks. I will not be putting out some podcasts. I. I I haven't done that um, on the network, but it is something that, um, you know, I, I think to be honest, I think this podcast needs for a little bit. Uh, so please keep in tune uh, with what the podcast network has uh, for the next couple of weeks. Whenever you're listening to Lynn Sanity's typically flip it into some other podcasts, give them a try. Um, Alex and Dylan will be bringing NBA pods. They, they break down three teams a week. Uh, they go in full depth on, on everything regarding those teams. It's super, super fun. Uh, you can listen to some older episodes they have of them talking about Jeff green being this amazing player you could talk about the fact that uh they're 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 ro- they're just rolling through all of it it it's it's fantastic coverage i i uh i highly 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 recommend it and he does that alongside dylan hughes uh they're going to be talking about the thunder the hornets and the nuggets this last week and then this week the spurs the hawks and the knicks so check that Zach out Griffith's knicks. At, yeah, yeah Zach baby. Griffith's knicks. exactly right circle cinema cinema is uh i mean 
Zach Griffith's putting out podcasts like every other day. Uh, so there's plenty of stuff there. If you just want to try a movie podcast or try some sports podcasts, uh, the triple option podcast, uh, which is our college football podcast is according to Devin Voss, when he came on the, uh, the show said there's an ep- episode coming soon. Uh, so please stay in tune for that. Recording this week. Recording this week, uh, Divine Rhyme with Will Hogsett, Dylan Hughes. They just put out their first episode. So if you want to get on a new podcast, they just did a J. Cole episode. uh, They talked about his first couple albums and mixtapes. It was very well done. Uh, Facts and Stats with J.D. Hall, uh, who's also going to be there. Uh, There's plenty of content uh, out there. So don't be afraid to try out something uh, in these these next couple weeks. But once again, thank you for listening to the Insane Podcast. (laughs) 